Welcome to Halfway to Heroes. I'm your dungeon master, Adam DeWeese. And we have with us my oldest brother, Sean. Hello. I'm Sean DeWeese, and I play Ubo, a turtle artificer. And we've got my middle brother, Dustin DeWeese. My name is Merlin, and I'm a human warlock. And we've got my cousin, Johnny. Not DeWeese. Hafner. He's halfway to Hafner. <laughs> my name is Clyde, Raymer Stat, and I'm a Goliath Barbarian soldier. Wait, you're not a soldier. You're a blacksmith. <laughs> yeah, blacksmith. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got one of my very best friends since middle school, Barry Harvey. Uh, I am Barry. I play Ultrix, and I am a Warforged Paladin. And here we go. Our story begins with the four of you getting ready in your dormitories. It's time to take your final test ever for the Scrimmar Academy. No one knows what this test is going to be, but you all know that you're set to head to the assembly hall. Now, before I get you guys heading out to the assembly hall, I wanted to kind of get an idea of uh, what your guys' dorm looks like. You've had the same one for four years. It's like it's pretty big. It's like five times the size of like a college dorm. And I, and I kind of wanted to get like the bunk situations, two bunk beds. Mine's got like Bud Light dream catchers, <laughs> deer heads, <laughs> deer, deer heads, <laughs> their whole heads. <laughs> got, got a big old, got a big old boom box. Where are these heads at? Just like in your bed, <laughs> on the wall, man. I have a charging station in the corner. <laughs> it's a phone charger that charges body. <laughs> All all tricks. Where does that charger plug in at? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? I very much would. Uh, <laughs> so all just has like his own corner where he just goes and powers down and charges up for the night. <laughs> I don't eat or sleep or wear clothes, so I just sit in the corner and wait. <laughs> wait till something <laughs> happens. Um, I picture Merlin like on a top bunk. Were you guys all, both Why on, on the top? bottom bunks or what? Well, there's got to be two beds. There's got to be two on top, two on bottom. Yeah, it's. It sounds like Clyde's would probably be on top if he's got deer heads. <laughs> Wouldn't leave much room up there. Yeah, I don't know. I only got two. Oh, okay, okay. So Merlin's on top of one. Who's got the yeah. other top? Well, well, uh, Ultrex doesn't need one, so there's only one person that needs a bottom bunk. Ooh, I got both bunks on top. <laughs> I I keep my. My beer cans in the other top bunk. <laughs> no, 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 no. You could have both bottom bunks. Oh. Fine, then. Because Merlin called. <laughs> Merlin already called the top bunk. My name is Merlin. I call the top bunk. Now, this did all happen four years ago. This is that We are now present day. You guys are about to go uh, four years later and go take your final exam. <laughs> so you didn't have to call it today, <laughs> but... <laughs> Unless unless you call dibs every single day. I do. I call it every day. It's like a free-for-all. Like, you guys never know who's going to be sleeping in what bunk. You got to call it that morning. Wait, how old is Merlin? <laughs> 53. You're too old for school, boy. Get out of here. Hey, no. Nah. too old to There's old people the in college. He's, he's um that uh, Gary Busemi. I never know how you say his last name. Busey? Gary Busey? No, the dude... <laughs> What, that's in all the Adam Sandler movies. That's Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Gary? <laughs> you mixed the two up. You got Gary Busey and Steve Buscemi mixed up. Doesn't he look like a Gary? That, or a, 
What's his name? Steve or Gary? God damn it. Steve Buscemi. Doesn't he well, look, look like look a Gary, like though? Yeah, that, that's crazy eyes, man. Yeah. You saying I look like crazy eyes? No, I'm saying <laughs> in that, in what movie is that? When he's like walking uh, through the, with Mr. a skateboard. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. Mr. Yeah. Deeds, yeah. He's got like a skateboard. He's like, what's up, young, cool kids? <laughs> that's, that's Merlin. Hey, fellow kids. <laughs> oh, no, that's, gr- that's grown ups, isn't it? Hello, fellow children. Dude, that, there's no, I don't know. But they call him Crazy Eyes and Mr. Deeds. Every Adam Sandler movie is actually all canon together, and they're all actually one movie if you watch them fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he said uh, someone was casting a spell on him. He's like, oh, maybe they're just waving to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I love so, that movie. So now, just so everyone's got that right off the bat in their head canon, that's what Merlin looks like. I'm just kidding. Look, now, now you no know, way. there's going to be at least one listener that forever that's going to be locked in their head, and they're always going to picture <laughs> Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Good going. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Sorry, guys. Way to sour a character appearance. Yeah, right <laughs> off the bat, right on the pilot. Uh, what's Ubo's kind of bunk situation look like? Uh, I guess you've got a, a top bunk. Well, here goes my voice, I guess. I don't know. I'm Ubo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. I can't do it. You that need like good. clippers to hold your nose shut. I know, right? right? That would be good. Earplugs. Earplugs. No nose. voice right now. Just yeah, you, yeah you're just describing your room. You don't need your uh, voice for describing your room. There's just tools everywhere, but they're really organized. Okay, Ooh, I didn't. Yeah, I, yeah. I was gonna ask if you're like, uh, like messy. Like if you had like tools scattered around, like no. Chex's little charging corner. Oh, okay, so cool. I'm really organized too. So me and U- Umo, Ubo, Ubo, son, Ubo are both very organized. That's good. So you guys probably have a pretty clean, uh, pretty clean room then. I'm the most organized. Oh, because I have yeah. nothing. Everyone's organized. <laughs> Hillbilly just has Bud Light everywhere and deer heads. Yeah, Clyde just has beer bottles scattered everywhere. He's got two deer heads, but only one's mounted. One he's getting around to mounting for for the last two years. Stinks. What? His deer head stinks. That's how I made my pants, man. Uh, Oh. From the deer head, so it's a skinless deer head, or from, well, from the rest of the deer? From the rest of the deer, man. Those are small pants. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we all get along. We're all organized. Except- They're called skinny pelts, okay? <laughs> this is why we put Clyde on the bottom. <laughs> oh, fuck you, John. That was a good one. <laughs> skinny oh, pelts, man. The, the, the skin tight ones? Yeah. Less <laughs> nice. material. Better for the planet, you know? <laughs> I'm agile and free, and I can move. <laughs> My mobility is plus five with them. <laughs> mobility. <laughs> I made up my own D&D stat from these pants. <laughs> I feel left out with not having any stuff, so I'm going to go ahead and say, I keep a small container with a little tube of buffing cream to keep my ass polished <laughs> at all times. Why do you need that polished? Very many reasons. That will. It'll be apparent later on in the campaign. There's nothing. There's nothing better than a shiny ass. Just wait until you hear. Quick, use my shiny ass. <laughs> then we'll know. I don't know if I want to use that. I go see Merlin for a buff every day on my dome piece. So. Oh God, no! I gotta buff his butt. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can I refuse business? Let's let's just 
<laughs> the ass polishing is private. You just do my head every day. Every day. <laughs> Wait a minute. How much you how much you charge for a buffing? Is it dorm is it uh, dormies get free? Uh yeah, dormies get free except Clyde. <laughs> that was not my voice. No. I don't know what happened. What, what happened to my voice? I'm I'm just staring at all tracks of shiny butt right now. I can't I can't get over it. Yeah, everywhere everywhere you guys go, uh you make you make all treks uh lead the way. And as you all leave the dorm, you begin to walk down the halls towards the assembly hall, and it's it's pretty empty, the whole school, due mostly to the fact that since you guys are the last ever class to graduate from Scrimmore, uh this is usually a school that houses four years worth of students, but right now it's just housing one year. And the the school's kind of laid out like a crosshair. Uh, it's got four main buildings that are kind of intersect all in the center. Uh, so it makes like a big T. Um, one wing is the school of physical arts. One is the wing of arcane arts. And one's the finesse arts and one's the religious arts. And they all come together and intersect, which houses the, um, the assembly hall and like a cafeteria creating like a circle around that crosshair are buildings making up the dormitories. So you got a picture. It's like a, a circle of buildings making up the dormitories and then the, the cross in the middle. And then that leaves out four courtyards between each like uh, two, two wings. There's a little like a pie shaped courtyard. Uh, and then the city of Bright Bank kind of is built around the Scrimmore Academy. And from there, it kind of uh, branches out and gets, you know, uh, there's businesses and things. But as you guys are walking towards the assembly hall, you guys get to where you can just see outside of the assembly hall, a female human standing there at attention near the door, greeting those who have been entering. She's got dark skin, dark hair pulled back in these thick braids, uh, kind of like forming a ponytail, like a big thick ponytail on the back of her head. And then she's wearing a, a button down shirt with her sleeves rolled up. And just under her sleeves, you can just barely make out like a simple silver chain shirt poking out from the sleeves. Uh, and you four know her as Headmaster Wake. Uh, she is the head of Scrimmore Academy. And this is one of the few times you've seen her without her plate armor on. And uh, she gives you all a quick head nod. Uh, of course, it would be you four to be the last to uh, arrive, right? Well, how you doing, Miss Wake? Oh, I'm doing just fine, Clyde. Um, waiting for you four. Everybody else is already seated and ready to go. I forgot to set the wake up time on my charger. <laughs> Merlin's gonna point at his rolled up sleeves too, and give her a nod and a wink. How old is the master headmaster Wake? Uh, she's actually pretty, uh, for her position and how kind of, um, you know, high up she is, she's actually pretty young. She's probably in her forties. So yeah, I, I, you know what, you know what, I kind of expected you four to be the last to arrive, but, uh, that's all right. Uh, let's, let's head on in and, uh, I'm excited to get this final exam prepared. Are you all excited? I don't Shoot. know if I'm ready. You know, all tracks, I have high hopes for you, young man. Thank you. I am ready. And uh, she motions you all in, and she follows you four in as you're entering the room. And uh, you're kind of scanning the room. It's like a it's like a tiered auditorium in here. Uh, there's like fifty ish seats, uh, but they're all taken except you find 
uh, four empty seats together in like the third row of the the hall. You kind of shuffle past those that are already seated, and you you sit down. Excuse me, pardon me, I'm coming through. <laughs> I'm gonna copy off Merlin because uh, I can't see that far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you mean you can't see that far? I got badass, man. You don't have to look at anyone's stuff, man. You're doing your test. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought we was going to a classroom or something. I have bad it's our eyes. final exam. I'm copy off Merlin. Either way, I'm going to copy off Merlin. I'm going to attempt to block him. They probably have different tests, right? Test. You can't even do magic. I don't remember if I said this or not, but uh, you guys have no idea what the final exam is. Um, I meant to tell you guys that before you walked down, but I, I don't remember if I did. Um, but either way, you guys are, you guys sit down and, uh, as you guys are, you know, scooching, uh, all tracks as being the polite one and kind of, um, scooting down. He's leading the way, actually. Move your fucking legs. <laughs> He's kicking people now. <laughs> he gets impatient. What kind of check would that be? What check? So I can copy off Merlin. Well, hold it's on. In- <laughs> <laughs> hold on. We're not there yet. Hang on, man. It will be a perception if it comes to that. But uh, but right now, all you need to know is that after you guys all sit down, you see uh, Headmaster Wake close the double doors. And in, in that moment, while she's got her back to you all, uh, Merlin, uh, you've just kind of got comfy in your seat. And you actually feel a flick on the back of your head. Ow, did you guys see that? What, did, what was that? Uh, as you turn around, Merlin, you see uh, a female elf in her 70s, which isn't very old for an elf. Uh, she's wearing pale white robes uh, that kind of blends in with her pale skin and pale white hair. Uh, it's Minley. Uh, it's another warlock. It's that's what? Been, her name is Minley. Minley. Uh, it's another warlock that's been in nearly all of your classes you've taken over the course of the last f- uh, four years. And uh, she says, uh, well... Are you excited for yet another test for me to demonstrate how much more powerful and skilled I am than you? You must be happy that this is going to be the last time ever here that I can humiliate you. So this lady flicks me on the back of the head. And she's talking shit. It's Helga Pataki. <laughs> I'll, sh- I'll show you on this test. I'm going to be the best one. You've got to be tired of saying that by now, right? Um, and at that moment, uh, Ubo, you actually feel uh, prodding at the back of your head. And you see a tabaxi with a monocle on one of his left eye. Uh, he's a calico tabaxi with these brown pants and a white button-up shirt. That means they can't be trusted through calico. He's leaning over your head, and he's kind of like prodding at your, your data jack mohawk, Ubo. And he says, Ubo, you have got to show me how you installed this one day. Did you, is this Illith Tech? I don't, I don't even know how you got this. Don't you need all kinds of permissions and writs and all kinds of paperwork for these things? How did you install it? Does it really work? Well, it doesn't work yet, but uh, I'm working on it. Can, can I hear that? Cause he's like, they're all right next to yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll work someday. Oh, you've got, you've got to let me study it with you someday. And you see also sitting kind of grouped together. Uh, you guys also notice Claire Runeforge, the, uh, the dwarf next to, um, how come me and Barry don't get flicked in the back? Oh, you're about to, man. I, I feel it. <laughs> Hang on. I think we're all getting bullied here. <laughs> no. So wait for the big metal. Ding. So kind of the seating order of you guys is it goes, uh, Merlin 
and then it goes Ubo, then it goes Clyde, and then it goes Ultrax. And then behind you guys, you actually notice Minley, the elf warlock. Uh, and then you see, um, you, you actually know this Calico fellow Ubo. He's in most of your classes. You know him to be, uh, Quickness of Turtle. That's his name. Or you can call him Quickness, or you can call him Turtle. Is he a turtle too? No, he's a tabaxi, like a cat, like a cat. A calico one. He's got one monocle on his eye, but then he's also got like, uh, glasses hanging from his shirt. Uh, and then, uh, next to Quickness, you see, uh, Claire Runeforge, the dwarf. Uh, she's like four feet tall. She's got this red, loose, curly hair. Uh, she's got be- these big, thick, muscled arms. Uh, she's got, like her face has some freckles on it. Um, uh, and then, uh, next to that, you see, um, the silver dragonborn, Uthor. And, uh, he's got his black plate armor. It's got these, uh, all the kind of, uh, accents on his armor, like the little bolts and things on it, um, are all these bright white. So it kind of looks like a night sky. And, uh, he's, he's right now, he's got glasses on that like pushed all the way up and he's reading like some holy text with the Barry Ultrex. You would know it to be the, uh, sign of, uh, Saloon. Uh, it's the goddess of the night, moon and the stars. He, he's not really paying you guys attention, but you could tell that, you know, these four are doormates. You know that these four kind of hang out together a lot. Um, uh, but Claire and, uh, Uthor, they didn't pay you guys any attention. It was, uh, quickness prodding at, Ubo's uh, head, and it was Minley kind of shit talking Merlin. Yeah, how far am I from Minley? Uh, three seats down, uh, and in front of her. So in front of her? Yeah, you guys are in front because she flicked Merlin. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. She flicked Merlin uh, in the back of the head. Man, these bullies. So, do I have like anything in front of me, like paper or anything? Uh, the the desk in here actually have uh nothing on them. Uh, there's no test or anything. Do you want to throw something? If I were to do Eldridge Blast to someone, no, wait, no. hang on, hang on. <laughs> no, could I wait? Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Can I cancel the damage and just do the pushback that I got? Like push her back in her chair? No. Ah, I I got you, Boo. Calm calm down. I have a couple extra bolts you can throw at her. I'm gonna throw my <laughs> desk at her. <laughs> what <laughs> the uh the desk or the desk are those ones that are like in a college where they're like secured down to the tier okay so so i take the plank of wood that's in front of me <laughs> rip it off and i just kind of chuck it at her here wait i got it i got the scene i got the scene um no one talks shit to merlin but me so so <laughs> this is what happens uh clyde grips his desk and you, everyone can tell that he's about to rip this and throw this shit at, at Minley. And at that moment, um, you guys see up at the, at the front of the auditorium, you guys see, um, uh, a little, uh, three foot high goblin, uh, with this black hair that you can tell he tried to comb over, but it, it's kind of not working. It's kind of all unruly. And, uh, he's got this. Ooh, it's like the banker, uh, elf in Harry Potter. Does he have hair? No, he doesn't have hair. Does he not? I thought the he goblin? had a over. You're thinking of Snape. It does have a little bit of hair. Yeah, yeah but it's like a little white. Goblin. combed over. No, you're thinking of Professor Flitwick. He's got the little comb over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. I know my Harry Potter theory. That was pretty far <laughs> off, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it's black hair, and he's got these cut-off uh, brown, like, tan shorts that go up a little bit above his knees, and then he's got a really, like, fancy-looking blue button-up shirt, 
and you see him drag all the way. He was he was standing along the wall by a bookshelf. And you see him drag this um, stepping stool all the way to behind the podium. So like as soon as Clyde, you're about to rip this desk off. You hear the. <laughs> And he plants in front of the podium, and then he stands up, and he goes, <coughs> Quiet down, quiet down, for headmaster, wake. He shows his, like, big toothy grin, and his teeth are, like, real sharp and jagged. And then he steps off, and he drags the stepping stool back towards the bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> he's being, and he's actually, like, standing kind of straight like at attention uh like he really wants to be there and you guys all know him to be klug uh he is klug klug with three o's he made sure that on day one you guys knew that it was klug with three o's uh he's like headmaster wakes like right hand man he kind of kind of helps run the school uh and he seems pretty happy with his job Uh, and headmaster wake uh, approaches the podium and she stands there and she kind of eyes you all over for a moment and then she says welcome ladies and gentlemen I want to first start off by thanking each and every one of you for your fast few years spent at this school we here at the Scrimmore Academy fully believe in each and every one of you and have enjoyed our time spent together immensely we know you all have very bright futures ahead of you however Before we can grant you proof of graduation from the school, you must all pass your final examination. And I'm sure you all have been losing sleep over these past few months, theorizing about what this final test could be that judges your overall aptitude and skills you have accumulated over the past four years of study. Well, I'm happy to finally ease your minds and reveal the surprise. And she points over at Klug, and you see Klug kind of struggle and he moves that bookcase and he slides it out and uh behind it you you guys see a lever and it's like four feet high so he actually has to jump up and he grabs it and he hangs from it for a second and then it like uh, slides down and as soon as it slides down you see headmaster wake uh take a step away from the podium and that chalkboard she was standing behind slides down into like into the floor and behind it, she's standing behind or in front of this. Um, it it kind of looks like a cellar door. It's like slanted at an odd angle, angle like that. It's like a double door. And above it, it says, Welcome to the Scrimmar Dungeon. Oh, shit. She says, You see, we have our own dungeon. We kept the secret from you, you all for four years. And uh, her and Klug both look ecstatic. They were like bursting at the seams for you all to finally find out about this dungeon. And she says, okay, so this is how it's going to work. To officially graduate with a writ of acknowledgement, all you have to do is make it through the dungeon with at least six chips of valor. And she holds up this chip and uh, it's like the size of like, uh, like a palm, like a human's palm. Uh, and it's it looks like it's like made out of iron, and it's real big on the front. It's got the the Scrimmore uh, logo on it, which is just like a vertical line that has two um, horizontal lines bisecting it, like towards the top, and then it's got an upside down triangle at the very tip. And you guys know that the symbol is from um, the the Scrimmore Academy's founder, Raffin Scrimmore. Uh, it's a symbol of his staff, and. Uh, as she's holding it up, she says, You just need six of these chips of valor 
by the time you exit the dungeon to officially graduate. But it gets more fun than that. You will be teamed up in teams of four and you will be paired up with your roommates. The team that leaves the dungeon with the most chips of valor will be crowned the Scrimmore Superiors, a highly sought after title that will surely open plenty of doors for you in the future. And there's also a special prize that goes along with the title. In the event of a tie, the winning team will be the ones who finish the dungeon at the fastest time. And the dungeon is meant to test all of your abilities that you have learned over the past four years. So teamwork is imperative. So do we have any questions? When do we start? Clog, can I go first? Well, it's Klug, and uh, that's up to the headmaster, not me. And uh, she she looks at you, Ubo, and she says, Oh, Ubo, I was going to make you go first anyway, since you were all four the last to arrive. Ooh, shoot, can I go too? I've never been more ready. Well, of course you can go too, Clyde. It's it's You're teamed up with your roommate, so yeah. Shit. Any other questions? Are you are you four uh ready to go? Yes. I th- I think we're ready to go. Okay. Uh. Well, the dungeon's gonna lead to a secret location at the end where you will have to just remain and kind of wait as a group. Uh, for everybody else to come. That's kind of to deter groups from helping each other or knowing exactly uh, how much time the other group has taken to complete the dungeon. At this point, you guys have all started standing up and walking back down uh, towards the the dungeon and towards uh, Headmaster Wake. Excuse me. Pardon me. She says, "Oh, oh, uh, one last like as you guys get to her, she says, oh, one last thing. Um, what's what's your guys' uh team name? Everyone needs a good team name." And before you can even answer her, um, quickness of turtle yells, uh, "We're the Funky Four, and we're gonna funk you up." And she says, uh, "Okay, well, it sounds like Funky Four has been taken. So, uh, any other name besides Funky Four?" Should have you should have told us this beforehand. Yeah, were we supposed to have a cool name, man? <coughs> we're the refundables. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hey, I gotta say, I kind of like the refundables. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like it too. Okay, I don't so know what my voice is yet. It's just going like all. It's over just the place. going. All <laughs> we'll figure it you'll, out. You'll find it, man. We'll, we'll you'll find, find it. it. We'll find it. We'll find it. It's okay. Just do, uh, just do sling blade, man. Some folks call it a wrench. I call it a spanner. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. And uh, she says, "Okay, well, uh, follow me right down here." And she uh, swings open the double doors of the of the cellar. Um, and that at that point, you guys see Klug drag the uh, the stool back up to the podium, and he stands up. And uh, as like you guys are walking down, following Headmaster Wake down into the stairs, and you guys hear behind you a. Uh, Okay, so uh, did you guys hear about that uh, the dwarf and the elf that walked into the bar? And then he kind of drifts away, and you guys don't hear the rest of it. Um, and as you guys walk down these stone steps, you guys go down probably about 20 steps, so like 20 feet. And she had she has closed the cellar door behind you. And you guys end up in this square room with stone walls, uh, and there's an iron door on the far left wall. It's... Um, it looks like this whole room's like been carved out of stone. And Wake says, okay, well, this is the first room of the dungeon. The f- this is where the timer has now begun. So this room is meant to test your ability to adapt and use whatever is available to you, whatever that may be. 
So you can select one item and one item only to carry with you forward. So choose wisely. And uh, I, I didn't mention this yet, but you guys like didn't bring any of your, like Clyde, you didn't bring your axe or anything uh, because you thought you were just taking like a pen and paper test. Um, so you guys have no gear right now. But before you is this wall of miscellaneous items that you guys can choose one item each from. Uh, and on the wall, all scattered about, you guys see garden shears, a short bow, a crossbow, a dagger, a shield, a long sword, a short sword, a hand axe, a great club, a multi-tool, a bag of ball bearings, a 10-foot wooden pole, a steel mirror, a fishing pole, a shovel, a crowbar, 50 feet of rope, and a chip of valor. I'll take the uh, the great club. I obviously take the mirror. So there's an extra chip of valor if we want it? Yeah, so there's like one chip of valor you can pick up. If you don't want any other items, and you'll just start the start the game off with a, a bonus chip of valor, but mm. no item, but no, I, yeah, I'll take the chip because I have iron fists already. Okay, uh, Ultrax walks over and plucks the chip of valor off. Good off choice. The wall. Good choice. Yeah, I'll stick with my uh, my great great club thingy. Great, great club. club. Okay, so Clyde walks over and grabs this big, massive hunk of wood, and he's kind of like slapping it across his the palm of his right hand, like. Testing it out. Uh, and then, uh, Merlin, you said you're going to grab the steel mirror? Correct. What is that for? So I can see myself when I cut my own hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to grab the rope. And then uh, Uba walks over and grabs the, the 50 feet of rope. Okay. And she says, um, all right, now this is where I leave you. Good luck. I have high hopes for you four. And uh, with that, she swings open that iron door in front of you and is holding it open for you for guys before we even start i feel pretty good about the items we picked i feel like those ball bearings were gonna play an important part i thought about those ha i stole the ball bearings no no (laughs) no she was watching but at least we have this extra chip of valor already true guys we need to do this we need to win yes we do well we better get started Hello, everyone. It is your Dungeon Master, Adam DeWeese here. And first and foremost, thank you all so much for listening to our first ever episode. We hope that you all are enjoying it as much as we have been enjoying just putting together and all uh, playing some Dungeons & Dragons together. We've been having a lot of fun with this one. I did want to hop in here real quick and give a little bit of info about who we are and where you can find us. So if you're enjoying the show so far, you may also enjoy our other show, One Shot Onslaught, which is another D&D podcast where we play one-shot modules. So for that one, you can hop in on any episode that has part one in the title, and we suggest you starting um, on the later episodes when we get a little bit better with our, uh, we get some better equipment and things like that. Also, we are on all social media at Halfway to Heroes. And also at One Shot Onslaught. So you could follow us on either of those pages or all those pages. Um, if you want to hang out in Discord with us and 
chat with the cast of the show daily about uh, D&D, tabletop gaming, video games, anything that's going on your day. Just uh, just an awesome place to hang out with a lot of really cool people. Then you can go to bit.ly slash halfway to discord or bit.ly slash one shot discord, whichever one's easier for you to remember. And last but not least, the last link for us is if you want to support the show, uh, we currently have a Patreon page for one shot onslaught, and we are going to be combining that with the halfway to heroes Patreon page. So uh, we didn't want to split it. Uh, if somebody's supporting one of our shows, they're really supporting both of our shows by helping us get better equipment, better uh, editing software and uh, hosting fees and just all, all the costs that go into making a podcast. So we didn't want to give you only the bonus content for one of our shows, but not the other. So uh, we don't really have anything on the tiers for Halfway to Heroes yet. So it's just going to look like the one-shot onslaught Patreon, but we are going to reskin that a little bit and combine the shows and then add a bunch of new content for this show also on um, the tiers. Uh, if you're not quite ready to commit to supporting the show with a monetary value like Patreon, then uh, no worries at all. If you do want to support the show in a different way, though, leaving the iTunes rating and review is absolutely huge for us it it really helps in a whole lot of ways rankings and charting and things like that uh, it's it's a massive help and only takes a couple seconds to do and i'm actually going to be reading a few of them on the uh, first couple of episodes so if you want me to read your review on the air then um, go ahead and put it out on on itunes uh, if you uh, don't have an iPhone or iTunes account or whatever, uh, you could just tell a friend about the show, tweet about the show, just um, telling as many people as you can about the show, and it will really, really help us hit the ground running and uh, get us out there to as many ears as possible. Uh, just so you know the kind of format of the show, at the end of these episodes, I'm going to do another short break where I give a shout out to all of our patrons followed by the iTunes review readings, and then followed by some outtakes from the episode that are usually usually pretty good, at least on uh, One Shot Onslaught, they always are, and uh, the first couple on here have also been good. But I'm going to let you all get right back into the dungeon. Uh, I hope you're all enjoying it. Thank you all so much for listening, and um, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, so uh, as soon as you guys walk through the iron door, she actually closes it behind you. And now you are standing in this rectangular room. Uh, it, it's like the past room. It looks like it's been like carved entirely out of stone. Uh, but there are torches lining the wall. Uh, it's kind of lighting up the whole room, as well as a chandelier hanging from this high vaulted ceiling. Uh, and there are two long tables going down the center of the room uh, and standing. Uh, so on the far wall, there's this large brass door. Uh, standing on either side of it is a six foot tall soldier made entirely out of the metal and gears. And you see steam like pouring out of their backs every few seconds. Uh, they're kind of, uh, they're just holding a metal shield and a long sword, like in a defensive posture, but, uh, they're not like rounding on you guys. They're just standing there next to the door. Is, is your shield firmly attached to the statue? Uh, they're not statues. They are. They look like they're like clockwork beings made out of metal and uh, oh, so, gears. Okay. Ah. 
I was going to try to take a shield. Uh, but it looks like they're like holding them. Let's open the door. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're uh, going to mean us any harm. I think I should say we open the door. Let's just walk through, see what happens. You guys start walking along uh, the center of the room, and uh, you guys reach the, the bronze door at the end of it, and uh, nothing's happened so far. They're, just, they're standing there. Their, their heads are turning towards you, and they're standing in defensive postures. Um, but yeah, nothing's happening. Interesting. I'm going to turn this knob. <laughs> I turn the knob very slightly. You put your hand down on the door, and everybody make me a perception check real quick. We get to roll die the first dice rolls of the whole campaign. Damn, Ooh. it took too long. Is that, a, is that a nat 20 roll? Did you just roll a nat 20? No, no, no. Like, you used that dice, though, right? Oh, yeah. 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 You used Noob 20. over here, remember? Uh, yeah. I did roll a 20. I just rolled a 17. For the wizard's one. So, For the what, what are you rolling? The Wait, wizard's dice? I got a 13. First roll was nat 20 of the whole campaign. 20. Wait a second, yes. guys. We need to celebrate this. The first roll of the whole campaign was a nat 20. I don't believe that's, him. That's, that's, I don't know. That's good Chad's shit. always rolling 20s. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> he, well, he's not dead. He's Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's Johnny. Johnny's always rolling 20s. Plus one, so 21. Uh, so as you all are kind of, you know, slowly making your way through this room and uh, keep an eye on these two clockwork figures, Clyde, you've been, you know, you're a barbarian. You've got these heightened senses. You're kind of checking all around the room. And as you do that, uh, you're getting a little bit closer to the two clockwork figures. Uh, but you look up and uh, you see in that chandelier that's 20 feet high. You see hanging there in the center of it a chip of valor. Ultrex. Yes. You, as you've been kind of getting closer to these clockwork fellows, you know, you kind of share a little bit of a bond with them, right? Uh, you actually see like whirring in their chest cavities. Like, uh, you see the gears and metal spinning around. You see inside their chest cavities each a chip of valor. Can I take my rope and tie it around their legs? Uh, you could probably tie it around one, one of their legs first and see what happens. Can I throw my great club at the chandelier? Yeah, make a roll a, like a, like a attack roll, uh, without your proficiency bonus because you're not proficient in it. So it's just a d20 plus your strength modifier. You're not proficient in hitting chandeliers, man. You're not proficient in throwing a, a big old <laughs> heavy great club. 18 plus 3. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Clyde wheels back and just chucks his great club at the chandelier, and it smashes into the glass, and the whole thing actually goes flying off the ceiling and smashes to the ground nearby. Where's my chip? You got to walk over and pick it up, man. Oh, I walk over and pick up the chip. Before he picks it up. Nope. Already walked. All right, fine. <laughs> he did. Uh, you, uh, he walks over and plucks it up, and uh, nothing happens. The the clockwork guys did not attack yet. Do you guys see those chips inside their chest cavities? Mm, I do see those. I want to walk over and try to grab one. See what happens. Before he does it, I'm going to grease the floor around their feet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, so Altrex is walking up to kind of try to slip his hand in and like the gears in the metals like whirring about so you had to like time it just right uh so i was gonna have you make a sleight of hand check but since 
Um, Ubo just uh, greased the floor. So let me see what kind of what deck save do I need to make for that, Sean? Thirteen. Okay. Uh, you see, you see both of them. Uh, so Ultrex is like reaching down uh, into uh, the one on the left's uh, chest cavity, and then Ubo. What's this look like when you when you grease it, Ubo? Oh, it is a twelve. My bad. But okay. uh, uh, I, a, a little compartment opens up in my shell and just squirts grease out of the back, and I just kind of squish it around, you know, it, with, your, with your little tiny tail. <laughs> 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 and as soon as you do that, the one that uh, Altrex was reaching for, uh, his feet just go out like a cartoon out from under him and fall fly up in the air and he lands back like on his shoulder blades the other one uh, maintains his his footing and he actually is going to uh, run up towards you Ubo and he is going to take a swipe at you I get in my shell <laughs> well this is uh, that, <laughs> that, that's, that's an action to do that so uh, he's pretty gonna quick get, he's gonna get a quick since you did an action uh, wait a second. Let's see. A ten- oh, you know what? I don't know if this is going to hit you. So he rolled pretty good, but I know your armor class is a fucking turtle's a 17. Uh, <laughs> so you like turn a little bit towards him and he just hits the back of your shell. Uh, but then he rears back for a second attack. And, uh, and this one actually, um, you, you, you're like standing like that, but this one, he actually like slices down and hits you just in the leg and you're going to take, um, four points of slashing damage to your leg. And now we'll go ahead and roll initiative. Five. Twenty. Nine. I got 15. So, uh, the scene is Clyde is over, um, next to a, the, the chandelier and he was, he just now picked up the chip of valor. Uh, Ultrex is right up on one that is on the ground prone, laying on his back that just slipped in the grease. Um, Merlin, I didn't know exactly where you were. I'm a little ways back. Okay, and then uh, and then uh, one of the clockwork soldiers is right on Ubo, who's a little bit behind Ultrex. Uh, so first up is Ultrex. So I want to pick up the trip of Val, or well, he's still down on the ground, not dead yet. I move to strike the the guy on the ground. So since he's on the ground, you actually have advantage on this attack. Okay. Okay. So go ahead and roll two d20s, and you take the higher of the two. The, the highest one was seven. The highest? Yeah. <sighs> seven plus? That's not good, man. Unarmed strike is plus five on the hit. Oh, are you doing unarmed or are you hitting with I a weapon? I don't have a weapon, remember? I took the extra chip. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, a plus five, you said? Yeah, yeah. So you punch down into this guy. Like I said, since his like, armor is kind of like whirring around, uh, you're kind of half punching and half trying to grab that chip of valor. Uh, but the, the, the whirring gears block your fist just as you rear down into it. Um, and I think that's all you got at level two. I think all you got is uh, one attack at a time. Uh, so next up is Merlin. Oh. oh, yeah, I don't have any weapons, do I? You have a shiny mirror. I just and got my mirror. <laughs> and you got magic. I'm going to Eldridge Blast the one that is on Ubo. Okay. Going to roll it. 12 plus 5, 17. 
Damn, Damn that's fucking Eldred's blast is insane. Yeah, seventeen. Oh, I thought you did seventeen damage. Yes, yeah, so seventeen hits. 17 oh no, hits. not yet. Seven damage. Okay, then I was thinking like, oh my Wait, god, yeah. I don't know if it does my plus. I don't think it does my um my spell power yet. So I think it's just that okay. for now. Um, so seven damage. And also pushes him back, so it's not on oh. him right now. Okay, so you Ten just feet, I believe. Go ahead and okay. describe what it looks like when he gets pushed back. Did it kill him or No, he's still alive, but like what does the spell look like and stuff when you cast Elger's Blast? Um So what do I have? I just have the mirror. I don't have any weapons at all, right? Right. So I just I I point at him and this uh Spell spirals out from my fingertip, and it hits his face and knocks him on his butt and pushes him ten feet back. So as soon as he like goes flying back, Ubo, you can actually make an opportunity attack as he is leaving your range. So you can uh, do just a, a punch or a kick, whatever Ubo would rather do. Punch. Just All right, punch roll him. a d20 to see if you punch him. Fifteen. You you punch him. You punch him good. Uh, roll a no. You actually get to claw as a as a turtle. So you roll d four plus your strength modifier, which I think is like a plus one or zero. It's a zero. So I got a three. A three. So yeah, you as soon as he's leaving your gra- your uh, reach, you claw at him as he's flying backwards and claw like into his chest and leave a big gnarly looking turtle sized gash. Uh, and now it's your turn, Ubo. So they're, he's greased, and he's actually on his butt now. So they're both on their butt. So Arcane Weapon is a bonus action, right? Yes. So I'm going to use, I'm going to cast Arcane Weapon. And then, uh, so I conjure up this glowing, oversized spanner. So for Arcane Weapon, I believe you cast it, you have to cast it on a On weapon. a weapon? Yeah. It says creates temporary magic weapon with extra elemental damage. Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that then. I'm, I know nothing about artificers. <laughs> I just thought it was that. But yeah, that sounds right. All right. So you conjure up this giant fucking wrench. And then I run towards him and just jump and slam him right in the chest as hard as I can. Alright, roll the hit. And he's prone, so you get advantage. 11. Plus? It See, would be... it sucks not having D&D Beyond. Yeah. Where? What's my what's my modifier? Oh, is... fuck, yeah. Um, I'm going to say that that hits, because it's at least plus your proficiency, because you're definitely proficient in it. Yeah, so you, you take this giant oversized uh, spanner and smash down into his chest. And how much damage does that do? It's uh, like weapon damage plus uh, D6. So we'll say that it does um, uh, for like a big a big wrench like that. Uh, it would be like a like a great club. So we'll a say D8. yeah, we'll say it does a D8 plus that four damage. Four damage is smashed down onto this the chest of this this beast, this clockwork beast. Uh, next up are both of their turns, and they're actually going to uh, both stand up. Uh, or I'm, I'm reading Grease right now. I'm going to see if they can stand up. Oh, okay. So they both stand up, and then 
They're going to make deck saves to try to keep standing. Okay, uh, one of them, the one on all tracks, uh, he makes it to his feet and then he slips again and lands back on his back. Uh, the other one in front of like Ubo and Merlin is still standing. And that one is going to um, uh, approach Ubo again. And he's going to swipe twice with his long sword. Holy uh, fuck, no, because Ubo's got a 17 <laughs> armor class. Uh, so this thing makes two, like, quick, like, ching, ching, and they both just bounce off your shell. It's, it, like, you're kind of, like, just conditioned now. Whenever somebody swipes at you, your kind of natural defense is to turn your back towards them. And just real quick, just ching, ching, they both uh, fly off of it. Oh yeah, that polished ass that slides right off. Well, no, that's not. That's that's all tracks. That's my ass. <laughs> I got a turtle booty. I thought it was one. Of, yeah. Well, I mean, shit, you got a shell covering your booty, man. Yeah. And it's Clyde's turn now, and Clyde actually has a weapon. So. Oh fuck! What weapon did you get? The Great Club. So will that do the same as? Uh, a great club does 1d8, so you will do a plus, uh, what is it, like plus 6, plus 7? What's your strength modifier? 3. So it's plus 5, so you roll d20 plus 5 to hit. Oh, and you actually have advantage because this, wait, which one are you attacking? The one, there's one on the ground and one standing. The, uh, one standing. Okay, so that, okay. So I rolled a 16 plus 5, that's 19. That's good, yeah, that's gonna hit. Uh, and then you roll. D- that's, that's twenty-one. So. Yeah, and then you roll D eight plus three for damage. D eight six nine nine damage. So you run up and you smash your hammer down. Where, where are you hit? Where are you aiming for on this one? For the hips. For the hips. You you swipe right at the the hips and you actually take the legs clean off of this thing, <laughs> and as it slams and smashes into the ground, uh, it it hits and you actually see the gears whirring and start to like hiss like, and the whole thing explodes, and you and you only nobody else is up on this one um have to take uh, make a deck save real quick. Uh, as you heard it like hissing and like the heat building up 15 plus one okay so you uh you just barely like dodge out of the way of this explosion and you just take three fire damage as it like licks up your feet and (laughs) and your sandals are looking a little bit worse off now you know what (laughs) i I got fucking flip-flops on right now (laughs) um and now it's altrex's turn altrex you've got one left and it's laying prone all right he pissed me off missing him last time, so this time I'm gonna. Oh wait, one action. I can hit again with a new attack, right? Yeah, and uh, you actually see uh, that one that exploded. Uh, his shield and longsword are kind of scattered um, around the ground. Are they close by me and the dude who's laying on the ground? Uh, they are pretty close by. Yeah, he was only like five feet away from me when he died. All right, I wanna I wanna pick up his sword off the ground, and can I use thunderous smite? Um, yeah, you can. It's one of your spell slots, and I think you only have, like, two. Yes, yes, it is. All right, so that's what I want to do. All right, you tell me if I need to roll a save for that, because I don't know exactly what that is. You gotta roll D D100 and get 99 yes. or better. Okay. 
<laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, it must succeed on a strength saving throw or be pushed ten feet away from you and knocked prone. Oh well, well you might want to save your spell yeah, slot because this guy's already, already prone. He's already prone. Well, let's just do a regular attack on him. Okay, so now you get to roll uh, a d20 twice because you have advantage because he's still laying on the ground. Sixteen. Okay, so you're gonna hit him. Uh, so go ahead and roll a d8. Uh, seven. Seven plus your strength modifier. Three. So you you want to you describe how you kill this guy? So, okay, so he's already on the ground. So he's laying on okay. the ground. So I lift I lift the sword up with both hands over my head and drive it straight into the chest cavity. Ooh, right through and piercing. And the the gears and the steam just kind of quit going and quit whirring, and then you hear the heat kind of building up. Uh, make me a deck save with advantage now that you've seen one of these things blow up. So well, that's a d20, right? Yeah, here. d20 twice. Run away! It's gonna blow up, man. Um, eighteen. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you you jump out of the way of this one as it explodes, and you just take three fire damage as it goes up your feet. Uh, and as you like action movie dived away from it. Um, nice. So as that one explodes, then again, another shield and long sword are now scattered across the floor. I don't know if anyone can use those. I wanted to steal the shield in the first place. So uh, we've got two shields and two long swords. I'm taking the shield. Oh, Ted showed up. I'll take a long sword. Somebody needs to pick up those chips of valor, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There's uh two chip of valor, two chips of valor now scattered around the ground. And then uh, could I pick them up, both of them, or what? Yeah, you got hands, motherfucker. Pick them up. I got hands, man. I got some really delicate hands, man. You, you about to get these hands? What's Keep that supposed up. to mean, man? You know what it means. <laughs> I don't. So who picked them up, Merlin? <laughs> I'm gonna pick them up. Screw Clyde over there. That was episode one? What? You're a turd. That's episode one, man. You're a turd. You're a turd. You about to get these motherfucking hands. That's all we found out about was you're a turd in episode one. See these? You're a turd. If I put these in my pocket. I can't hear you right now. Look. If I put these in my pocket. I don't hear what you're saying. Concealed weapon, turd. Concealed Hello again, it's your Dungeon Master, Adam DeWeese, and I hope you all enjoyed this episode. So our first iTunes review we ever got is from Your IT Hero, and it was when we had the prologue and I think one or two of the character intros up. And uh, its title says, How Do I Pre-Order? And it says, When I heard the One-Shot Onslaught team was putting together a narrative-driven podcast, it was all I could do to not throw my money at my phone. Just hearing the prologue and I'm in, and you should be too. Uh, this is the very first one we got, and wow, did it it just make our whole day uh, when we saw that. 
Dr. Ox says, what D&D podcast should be? One Shot Onslaught is hands down the best actual play D&D podcast crew out there, and this new series already promises to deliver. So if you want me to read your review, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. And um, uh, thank you so much, Dr. Ox and your IT hero for the kind words. It really motivated us and made us feel really good. Now for me to give a huge thank you to our current Patreon members. Patrons? Yeah, patrons on Patreon. We've got Rachel, a.k.a. Dragonbait, Brittany Ballesteros, Danny M., Jeremy Fair, Not Ironclaw, Danny T, Matthew G, Thess, Brittany D, and Bianca B. Thank you all so much for your support. If you want to get your name on this list, you can head over to patreon.com slash one shot onslaught or bit.ly slash halfway to Patreon. Thank you all so much for listening. I think I'm all done talking now. See y'all in two weeks. He sounds like he should be on fucking WLW 700 or some shit. I'm going to go apply after this. <laughs> These headphones suck, so everyone sounds kind of funny to me. You sound funny. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks. Here we go. I'm starting the stopwatch. feel watch. good about that. I feel good about that. I do. I do. All right. Here we go. Now what? I'm going to start it, man. Give me a second. <laughs> Real quick, I don't see my health or anything. What are you? What are you looking at, man? What are you on right now, man? I'm on the D and D Beyond, and there's no health. With the Clyde Reamer stat sheet, it's in the campaign. Someday heroes, right? Yeah. Well, I don't see that on mine, but yeah. In the top right should be your health. I click on it. Yeah. Do you see where it. it says like heal and damage? Yeah. And in between that, and that blank box, if you hover over it, there's two little arrows that pop up. Oh, so you can make it go up or down. It wasn't maximized, you guys. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I didn't maximize it. Well, there you, you go. Maximize it, man. <laughs> A Majestic Goose podcast. Fuck. <laughs>